In the fourth chapter of the book of James, beginning with verse 13, the Bible says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there in a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, and such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In James 4.14, James asked an important question. What is your life? In the second Corinthian letters, was read a moment ago in chapter 13 and verse 5, the account says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. As many of you know, my mother's going to be moving over here in a few weeks, and she's got a new doctor over here, and she came to the doctor a few weeks ago, and he started off by giving her a complete physical. She was a little griping somewhat about the fact that he had to go through all those tests. Brother Bill Irby, just a few weeks ago, went to get a yearly physical. The doctor put him on a strict diet because of some blood work that he did. And then Elmer McCoy, last week, week before last, went and got a physical. And the doctors put him on a diet. They keep telling me, Don, you need to go get a physical. And I say, I don't want to be on a diet. And so I haven't gone to get one. They may find out I got what they got. But at any rate, it caused me to begin thinking that it might be timely for they might want to discuss spiritual blessings and how are we spiritually? What about a spiritual checkup? Oftentimes we go to the doctor for a physical checkup, but what about a spiritual checkup? And so I got together some thoughts, and it may be preached all over the county today, I don't know. But at any rate, I think we ought to examine our lives and think about how we would check up spiritually. What if we examine our lives in the light of what's said by the great physician? How can we find ourselves? How will we fare when the great physician examines us, when Jesus examines us? In the first place, let me suggest to you that Many times when they do a physical, they check your heart. You know, they'll take a stethoscope and they'll listen to see how your heart's doing. You may have seen the program that was aired on Channel 10 several times this last week, having to do with Dr. Copeland's work with heart patients to try to teach us or show us whether or not we've really had a heart attack or have we just stretch some muscles in our chest. What's the thing that's taking place within us? You know, we need to check our hearts, though. In Proverbs 4.23, the account says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it 
are the issues of life. In Proverbs chapter 23, he says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, we've got bad problems if we've got heart problems. And we realize that. If I thought that I were having some kind of difficulty with my heart, I wouldn't put off having a physical. I'd get to the doctor right now because I see the seriousness of that situation. What about our spiritual heart? Do we keep it checked? Do we keep it guarded? Our whole life comes forth from the attitudes of heart that we have, and it's important that we keep it in check. In the book of Mark, in the seventh chapter of the book of Mark, verse 21 says, From within, out of the heart of man, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetous, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, which is an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. In the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus pronounced those eight woes on the Pharisees. Why? Because they had not kept proper check on their heart. On the outside, they appeared to be clean. They appeared to be as a whited sepulcher, but on the inside, they were dirty. They were full of dead men's bones. On the outside, they appeared to be as a clean platter sitting on the table. On the inside, they were dirty. Needed to be washed. You would not want to eat out of a dirty plate. One day this last week, Sandra got a glass and she poured her up some tea or something, started to drink it, and she said, This glass is dirty. And she poured it out. Well, is that the way that we really appear before God? On the outside, they appear to be clean. On the inside, they be dirty because we've not cleansed our hearts, because we've not allowed the Word of God to sink deeply within our hearts. We need to check our hearts. We need to guard our hearts with all diligence. For out of them are the issues of life. But in the second place, when you go to the doctor to get a checkup, he'll check your eyes and he'll get out a little instrument and he'll turn a light on he'll look in your eyes and he'll open them up and see what the color is what about our spiritual eyesight in the book of Matthew again if you'll turn back with me to the Sermon on the Mount in the 6th chapter of the book of Matthew the importance of the eyes I believe is seen beginning in verse 22 where it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. We need to be careful about our spiritual life. Our Lord said that if our eyes single, if we see things and the proper light, then we'll live the right kind of way. The context of this, of course, is in one living. The material things of this life are living for the Lord. In Matthew 6, 33, the parallel passage, it says, But seek ye first. That's a single eye. But seek ye first the 
kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things should be added unto you. In the ninth chapter of the book of John, there were some fellows that had eye trouble. Jesus had healed a man who was blind. But there were some Pharisees there that were the ones that were really blind. They couldn't see. And in John 9, 39, Jesus said, For judgment am I coming to this world, that they which see might not see, and they which see might be made blind. Why, they thought they could see. They thought they were the seeing ones, but they weren't. They had refused to believe on the Lord. Verse 40 said, Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said, Are we blind also? They got the point. And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, ye should have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. Why, they thought they could see, but they couldn't see. These folks had eye trouble, spiritual eye trouble. And so it is with many today. They think they can see, but they can't see. They can't listen to the Word of God. They've got eye trouble and they've got ear trouble. But these individuals had eye trouble. In Second Peter, the first chapter, verses 9 and 10, Peter warns about the danger that we cannot add Christian graces to our life and not grow properly as the children of God. And he said, you're blind not seeing afar off. There's a danger that we need to check our eyesight. What about our growth as a Christian, as a child of God? Are we growing like we ought to? Are we taking the spiritual milk of the Word that is without guile, First Peter 2, 2, so that we might grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Second Peter three eighteen. If not, then we're blind. If we're not adding to our life the characteristics of Christianity and our heart does not imbibe within it the attitudes of a Christian, then we, my friend, are blind and we need to see. We need to have some spiritual healing done upon our eyes through the Word of God so that we might see the truth and so that we might obey the truth of God. But then again, sometimes when you go to the doctor, you might have some trouble with your hand. I've got arthritis right here in this finger. And sometimes people will go to the doctor. I could go to the doctor and he'd say, you got arthritis in that finger, is what he'd tell me if I went to him. But I know that, and so there's no use for me to go. But the point of the matter is, we need to examine our hands. What about our hands? In the book of Proverbs, we find that we need hands used in a proper way. In Ecclesiastes 9.10, for instance, Solomon tells us that whatever our hands find to do, do it with all thy might. How do we use our hands? Do we use our hands for the cause of Christ? Has not the Lord given us hands that we might use them in His service? What about our hands? Are our hands working hands? Do we have the hands of a workman? You know, you can look at a fellow's hands and you can tell something about it. 
If you look at his hands and he's got calluses across here, you can tell he works with his hands. Every Christian ought to have, in a figurative way, callous hands of workmanship. In Ephesians 2.10, he says that we are workers in the kingdom of God. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, that God has full prepared that we should walk in them. What about our hands? If the great physician examined our hands this morning, would he find the hands of a workman, one who is laboring, one who is serving in the kingdom of God? But then again, our hands ought to be praying hands. If you turn to the book of 1 Timothy, in the second chapter of that book, and Verse 8, he said, I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. Are we a praying people? I appreciate the prayers that have been prayed this morning. We ought to be a people of prayer. We ought to have a reputation of people that pray. Verse Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. In verse 18, he says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus toward us. We ought to be a praying people. Our hands ought to be prayerful hands. As we examine ourselves in the light of the Word of God, we find that we indeed do pray. But then again, Sometimes you might go to the doctor and he examines you all over and so that means he's going to examine your feet, does it not? Why, if we look at our feet, what do we find? Do we find feet that are interested in evil? In the book of Proverbs, in the sixth chapter of the book of Proverbs, Solomon talks about six things that the Lord doth hate, yea, seven, are abomination to him. And among those things that the Lord hates are feet that are swift, running to mischief. Verse 18. What about our feet? Where do our feet carry us? Where do we go? If we examine our feet, do they carry us to places of mischief, of sin? Do they carry us to be engaged in sin? Or do our, we allow our feet to carry us in the path of righteousness? If you turn back to Proverbs 4 and verse 26, it says, The path of thy feet and all thy ways shall be established. Ponder the path of thy feet. Wherever our feet go, that's where we're going to go, and that's what we're going to be engaged in. That's what we're going to be involved in. Where do my feet carry me? Do my feet carry me to immorality? Do my feet carry me to live like the Lord wants me to live? Our feet this morning have brought us to worship God. But have our feet carried us this week in the way of righteousness? Have our feet carried us to do good? Have our feet carried us as they ought to? 
As we examine our feet, we've got to pull our shoes off. If they're going to see our feet. What are our feet shod with? In the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes concerning the armor that a child of God is to put on. And he says that we ought to have our feet, verse 15, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Are my feet shod or are they prepared with the gospel of peace? Do I allow the gospel of peace to determine what my actions are going to be in life? What I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, who I'm going to be with? Yes, we need to examine our feet. We need to see where our feet go. But then again, in the fifth place, Usually when you go out to the doctor's office, he's going to get one of those tongue depressors. And he's going to stick your tongue down. He's going to look down your throat. He's going to examine your tongue. He can tell a great deal by what he sees when he sees your tongue. Now, I don't know what he sees, but he can tell. He knows. But I know what the Lord sees when he sees our tongue. I can tell what the Lord sees when... He examines our tongue. Maybe we need that tongue depressed all the time. Psalms 141 and verse 3, the psalmist said, put a watch on my mouth. And I think that's what we might need. We need our tongues guarded. James 3 talks about how that the tongue is a little member and what great fire that the tongue can kindle. And the book of Colossians, in the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul mentions the tongue, and he says that our speech should always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that we might know how that we ought to answer every man. You know, the tongue is both a negative and a positive member. That is, there are some things we don't need to say, and then there are some things we do need to say. If you turn to the Ephesian letter, in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, he said in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mind. But he doesn't stop there because he's talking about the garments of the Christians to take off and the garments he's to put on. And so he said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister good under the here. And so we need to not only not say bad things, we don't need to curse because our speech will give us away if we do. But we need to use our tongue in a positive way to say good things. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 23, the account says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? A Christian ought to use his tongue in a positive way. As the tongue of one who encourages. As the tongue of one who is interested in those who have needs in life. But not only that, in the sixth place, the first thing that always happens when I go into the doctor's office, and I suppose it is when you go in too, is they put you up on a set of scales. And they weigh you. And they want to see what your weight is. 
some reason, the longer I live, the older I live, the more I hate to get up on those scales, I reckon. But we're all going to be weighed one day. You remember the account that we discussed a few weeks ago in the book of Daniel in the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel? Many, many. To kill, you farson. Thou art weighed in the balances and found one. Belshazzar was weighed on the scales of God. He was found wanting because of his pride and those characteristics that were in his life. What do we weigh in God's scale? We ought to be more interested in what we weigh on the scales of God than we are what we weigh anywhere else. My wife takes a great deal of interest in what I weigh, but I'm more interested in what I weigh on God's scale. How do I stand before God this morning? We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one might receive the things done to the body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Second Corinthians 5.10. What will I weigh when I stand there? But then again, the first thing that they do after they weigh you is they stick a thermometer in your mouth, and they want to know what your temperature is. We do well to look at our temperature. What is my temperature this morning? Is it what it ought to be? In the book of Revelation, in the third chapter of the book of Revelation, you see the Lord condemned the church at Laodicea because their temperature wasn't right. They were lukewarm. And the Lord said, I would that you were either hot or cold. They had a wrong concept of themselves. They said they were rich and increased in goods. And the Lord said, you're poor and blind and miserable and naked. Their temperature was not right. One of the first things we do when one of our children gets sick is we check his temperature because we know that if his temperature is not right, that's very dangerous. If you've ever had a young child go into convulsions because their temperature got too high, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You put them in a bathtub, you bathe them off with alcohol, and you try to get that temperature down. We need to check our spiritual temperature. Is it like it ought to be? In the book of Titus, in the second chapter of the book of Titus, Apostle Paul writes concerning those who are the children of God, and he said that Jesus gave himself for them that he might redeem us from iniquity to purify himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. And this is one place where your temperature is supposed to be high. Zealous of good works. That means at the boiling point. If my temperature went to the boiling point, I'd be gone. But as a Christian, in spiritual matters, it ought to be boiled. We ought to be a people that are zealous of good works. We ought to be interested in doing the will of God. We ought to be interested in serving God. Then finally, as we examine our lives in the light of the Word of God, what about our ears? 
Somebody told me this last week that they thought that they had an ear infection. I've heard of several people recently that have had ear infections. But what about our ears? The truth of the matter, our ears are going to determine what else is going to be corrected within our life. I remember when my dad went to the doctor a number of years ago and he'd had some heart problems, some heart difficulties, and the doctor carried him in. He did a complete physical and a complete workup on him, and, and dad was real overweight. And within about six or eight weeks' time, he lost a whole lot of weight. And somebody asked him, said, John said, how did you come to lose so much weight in such a short period of time? He said, well, I'd known for a long time I needed to lose weight, but I never had anybody explain it to me that way before. He said, you're going to lose weight or you're going to die. He listened. That got his attention. Does God's Word get our attention? In Luke 8 and verse 18, the account says, Take heed how ye hear. Do we listen properly? Do we hear the Word of God? Do we make personal application to our own lives of God's Word? The difference in those that are saved and those that are lost is whether or not we've got ear trouble. If we're deaf, and we refuse to listen to the Word of God, then we will be lost. I want to turn and read a passage that I think pretty well sums up everything we've talked about. Turn with me in the book of Matthew, in the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew. Verse 15, Isaiah and Isaiah 6 had prophesied this concerning the people in Christ's day. Christ makes application of this here in Matthew chapter 13. Paul makes application of it in Acts 28. Those who had refused the gospel of Christ. Matthew 13, 15 said, For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted. And I should heal them. Here are folks that are sick. They brought that kind of sickness on themselves. They've stopped up their ears so that they won't hear and they've closed their eyes. But did you know the man who won't listen is no better off than the man who can't listen? And the man who won't see is no better off than the man who can't see. We need to take God's Word and make personal application of every lesson to our own life. How do you check up this morning? How does the great physician see you this morning? Are you this morning outside of Christ, having never obeyed the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? One day you're going to be weighed on God's scales, And you know exactly how you'll weigh when you stand on God's scales by looking at these scales. Here's the balance. It's going to be on one side of the scale and on the other side is going to be your life. How do you weigh in God's book this morning? Our Lord said, He that believeth in his baptized shall be saved. Have you obeyed the first principles of the gospel? 
If not, you're sick and sin. And friend, you got a terminal disease. Now, if they told me this morning that I had a terminal disease, that I think I'd want to do something about it. There's no disease that's more terminal than sin. The truth of the matter, a man can get sick and die. But if he's physically okay in God's spiritual sight, he's all right. Death is only an open door, only a step into eternity. But if one is spiritually sick and he steps out on the other side of eternity, he's undone, lost forever without hope, and there will be no crossing over. If you're subject this morning, won't you come while together we stand in the same place?